If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. I'm Tara Bradner, and this is Hopeful Hints, an infertility podcast where you will receive quick, hopeful hints to guide you through infertility. Here, you will find education, inspiration, and most importantly, find peace as you walk through this journey to fulfill your family vision. Welcome to Hopeful Hints. I am your host, Tara Bradner, doctorate nurse practitioner and fertility coach. And today we are going to start a series on miscarriage. And this is near and dear to my heart as I have experienced miscarriages. I've experienced failed embryo transfers. So know that right off the bat, if you're looking to connect with somebody who has been through this, who understands all aspects of it, especially the emotional side of it, I am here for you. My inbox is always open. You are not alone through this. So today we're going to discuss five things I feel you need to know if you've experienced or continue to experience miscarriage. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to bring in some amazing guests and we're going to cover a variety of topics, including going through the grieving process of miscarriage. And I'm bringing in one of my favorite sleep specialists to help talk about this as well. As she's personally went through this, she has an amazing story. She's less than four weeks out from her miscarriage. So I really wanted to bring her on to connect with those of you who have been through this in the past or maybe recently have experienced this loss as well. Before we get started, I wanna let you know in the show notes from today, I've included a miscarriage freebie for you. This is a checklist but it also includes my top 10 labs I feel you should have done if you've experienced two or more miscarriages. It also navigates you through the conversation to have with your medical provider if you continue to experience miscarriage and to better help you navigate your care. All right, let's get started. So five things you need to know about miscarriage. Number one, I wanna begin just by sharing that healing is so important after a miscarriage. And what I mean by that is your emotional health. Yes, your physical health also matters, but your emotional health is just as important in this situation. I always like to share with my patients that they need to be their own advocate. As a medical provider, I cannot express enough how important it is that you be an advocate for your healthcare when it comes to having miscarriages. I've had so many patients come into my office or see me on telemedicine, or even my coaching patients talk about some stories that just blew my mind that they experienced when they were going through miscarriage. I've had people have 10 plus miscarriages and little to nothing be done for them. So I just wanna begin by number one, I need you to be an advocate. If something doesn't feel right, it isn't right. You need to be examined and see somebody who understands miscarriage and is familiar with how to properly work you up for this. Women who have had two or more previous losses have a 40% chance of having another miscarriage. And honestly, sometimes all I've done is corrected a thyroid problem or put them on progesterone because they've had four miscarriages and no one's ever checked their progesterone levels. So 
they never would have came in had they not advocated for their health care, switched providers, and found somebody to just do this type of workup for them. Miscarriages are common, but reoccurring miscarriages should not be common. Miscarriage is also referred to as early pregnancy loss, so they're interchangeable and you might hear me use them throughout in different ways. This occurs in the first trimester, as you may know, before 20 weeks of pregnancy. And so there's certain things that can be done nowadays. There's some new tests coming out. I'm going to talk about those later that can help better guide your health care after experiencing a miscarriage. Number two, let's discuss the different types of miscarriages. So number one is chemical, and I highly dislike this term. I truly believe this is a life, it is a child, it is not a chemical, but I'm going to refer to it as that for now. So this is a very early miscarriage, which can occur before you even learn that you're pregnant or know that you're pregnant. The most common reason this happens is because of chromosomal abnormalities. So an embryo is created, but it's not viable shortly after implantation. Number two is a belighted ovum, and this is an anembryonic pregnancy. So these belighted ovums occur very early in pregnancy, often before, once again, you even know you're pregnant. A fertilized egg attaches to the uterine wall, but an embryo does not develop. You may miscarry the pregnancy, or I've had many patients have to go in for a DNC procedure from this type of loss. Number three, a molar pregnancy. This is a rare complication of pregnancy, and it's characterized by an abnormal growth of trophoblasts. Big word, but these are cells that normally develop into a placenta. And there's two types of molar pregnancies. One is a complete molar pregnancy, and one is a partial. In a complete molar pregnancy, the placenta tissue is abnormal, swollen, and it appears to form a fluid-filled cyst. There's no formation of fetal tissue. In a partial molar pregnancy, there may be normal placenta tissue along with abnormally forming placental tissue. There may also be the formation of a fetus, but the fetus is not able to survive and is usually miscarried early on in the pregnancy. Number four, ectopic. This is when a fertilized egg grows outside of the uterus, and we know that 90% of them occur in the fallopian tube. As the pregnancy grows, it can cause the tube to rupture or burst, and this can cause major bleeding, pain, and can even be life-threatening at times and usually requires immediate surgery. Number five, missed miscarriage. This occurs when a fetus implants but fails to develop. Sometimes the body will be able to naturally miscarry, and other times a DNC procedure is needed. Number six, a threatened miscarriage. This refers to vaginal bleeding that occurs in the first 20 weeks of pregnancy. It does not necessarily mean that you will end your pregnancy or have a miscarriage. We often see some lower back pain, abdominal cramping. I recommend if you have any unexplained bleeding in your pregnancy at any time, you need to go in and see your doctor right away. Often an ultrasound and lab work will be done and exams with this type of miscarriage will reveal that the cervix is opened and if that is the case, a miscarriage is much more likely to occur. Number seven, incomplete miscarriage. This refers to unexplained vaginal bleeding and abdominal pain during early pregnancy. This will be heavier than a threatened miscarriage and it's often accompanied with abdominal cramps. So unlike a threatened miscarriage, an inevitable, an inevitable miscarriage is also accompanied by dilation of the, the open cervix is a sign that the body is in the process of miscarrying a pregnancy. So anytime a provider examines you and sees that, a miscarriage is often to occur. Number eight, incomplete. So an incomplete miscarriage happens when some, but not all of the pregnancy tissue is passed. 
and often you're going to have heavy vaginal bleeding or intense abdominal pain. Once again, a cervix will be open, but there's remaining pregnancy tissue that's found in the uterus lining. And I'm going to say right here, this doesn't always have those signs with it. I've had several patients come to me and their HCG levels just aren't going down after I've had people anywhere up to four to six months of HCG levels that did not go down. So in that case, I highly recommend that you meet with a provider. And if your provider isn't hearing you out or you just feel like something isn't right, you don't feel well, we need to get you in with a second opinion. Complete. So this is a type of miscarriage in which all of the pregnancy tissues expelled from the uterus. Bleeding and pain should subside quickly. A complete miscarriage can be confirmed through an ultrasound and blood work. So that's at HCG levels and then confirming as well that there's no remaining tissue in your uterus. Reoccurrent. So the American Society of Reproductive Medicine has redefined reoccurrency pregnancy loss to two or more pregnancy losses. And so this is where I'm such a big proponent of having a full workup after two. I've had, once again, I'm going to share some stories as I go because it just blow my mind. I've had uh, patients have three miscarriages and say, oh, come back. We'll do a workup if you have another one. Or they just are completely disregarded and basically told to go home and continue to have miscarriage after miscarriage. So I really encourage you to advocate two or more miscarriages deems a workup. All right, number three can I do anything to prevent a miscarriage? I get asked so many times, did I do this? Was it something I did? And I'm not going to lie. When I had my first miscarriage, I was doing CrossFit workouts, which I love. And I blame myself for that. But I was reassured by my amazing OBGYN that that was not the cause of it. Sex doesn't cause it. Running doesn't cause it. There's nothing that you did to cause this. Now, we do know that smoking, alcohol, and we're going to get into this, caffeine has been studied as causes of early pregnancy loss. There's some research that states smoking increases the risk, while there's other research that says it does not. Oh, you gotta love research. This is where it's frustrating as a medical provider and not helpful. Alcohol use in the first trimester may slightly increase the risk of early pregnancy loss, but once again, what did they state? The research is not clear. So in any case, we know smoking just is not good for you. It's not good for your health. I include vaping in this. Drinking alcohol during pregnancy, not recommended either. When it comes to caffeine, there's been so much back and forth on this topic as well. So at this point, I'm going to tell you, please keep drinking your pumpkin spice lattes, or in my case, sugar-free vanilla lattes. This is not causing you to have a miscarriage. The recommendation is to consume 200 milligrams or less of caffeine a day, and that's equivalent to about two cups of coffee, and that does not appear to increase the risk of early pregnancy loss. Thank goodness it is fall time. Proceed. A woman's immune system does play a role in reoccurrent pregnancy loss, and this includes hormonal abnormalities that may also impact pregnancy loss, including thyroid disease, diabetes, and things like that. We also know abnormalities in the mother's blood clotting may also affect pregnancy. And all of that is going to be in the freebie that I included for you guys. Certain aspects of lab work touches all of those areas and walks you through testing and things that you should have done or had done or discussed with your healthcare provider. Other causes are fibroids. I've had patients with fibroids in there and that can, depending where they're at and the specifics of them can lead to miscarriage. Cervical insufficiency or an incompetent cervix is known to lead to that. 
I've had some patients with a septum in their uterus as well. And we're currently working that up as we speak with a couple patients of mine. And so there's anatomical, that would be considered an anatomical issue of the uterus that can cause reoccurring miscarriages. Infections, so STIs, those are sexually transmitted infections, can, are known to cause miscarriages. There's also autoimmune disorders that eventually should be worked up for if nothing else is found. Number four, is there any treatment following a miscarriage? So what usually happens, and if you've had a miscarriage, you may have had this done, but your HCG levels are monitored, and we should see them trending down to zero. And once again, I said this earlier, but if you are looking at three, four months or more of this not going down, or even less than that, it should go down typically within several weeks. And there's some OBs who let it go longer, so I'm not going to put an exact number on this, but you need to continue to have it monitored. I've seen it done weekly for some of my patients lately, and so it's just one of those things that may indicate that you may need a procedure to help remove that remaining tissue. And number five today, we're going to talk about testing to request after your second miscarriage. So this, I'm going to just say right off the bat, is a conversation you need to have with your medical provider. This is just some general thoughts, opinions on this topic. But one that is fairly new that I want to talk about is some genetic testing that can be done. And this is one that is used to determine why a miscarriage occurred. And so it is where you have a collection kit where the tissue from the pregnancy loss is collected and they send it off and it looks for which chromosomal abnormalities happened or what are the possible causes for that miscarriage. Your results are typically returned to your doctor's office within one week of receiving the sample. Let's talk about labs to request from your medical provider. Now this is just general and I'm gonna break them down for you a little bit here. So let's begin with hormonal. So this looks like a full thyroid panel estrogen, progesterone, often done on day 21. Now I'm going to pause right there and say if you have abnormal or lengthy periods, it is not day 21. So have a very thorough conversation with your provider to determine what day is best to check that progesterone if they're going to do a progesterone check to check for ovulation or if you have a safe level of progesterone to continue with pregnancy. Prolactin, FSH, LH, AMH, those are common hormonal levels that are drawn. Metabolic ones are those that we see to ensure you've had a PCOS workup, so to rule out or rule in PCOS and to get that controlled. This looks like fasting blood sugar, insulin levels, your HDL, LDL, cholesterol panel. Some common antibody and immunological ones include beta-2 glycoprotein, ruling out lupus, and anticardiolipin, coagulation, so this is blood clotting, antithrombin-3, protein C and S, anti-cardiolipin. Once again, don't feel like you have to write these all down. I'm going to put them on a list for you. So there's a combination of different coagulation studies that are done. And I see that this is probably the second most common reason why my patients have miscarriage. If everything else is ruled out, we dig into the coagulation study and there's something found within there. Other common ones included are vitamin D levels, iron levels to make sure you're not anemic, ANA, homocysteine levels, and there's some other antibody ones that are done depending on your medical history. All right, ready for this one? Semen analysis. It takes two to have this baby. So we need to make sure that your partner is being checked as well and having that test done. I've also been running Dutch hormone tests on a lot of my patients lately, and it's really found some amazing things about their hormones that we can make some corrections to and really just help their overall health in addition to their fertility. 
So in conclusion, I want to just say that I really encourage you to walk away from today with being empowered to sit down with your healthcare provider or find a new healthcare provider that will listen to you and have a conversation if you've had two or more miscarriages. Please download the freebie in today's show notes. Take that with you or use it to write down your own notes. I've left some open space for you to write down your own questions that you may have. And as always, know I'm here to help you with this, to walk you through this and guide you through this. You are not alone. Thank you for listening and I'll see you back next week, Tuesday. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin-Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin-Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.